0: Welcome to episode 5 of Matter of Facts. I am your host, Alec Cranston. Notice I said host and not co-host. Let me address the elephant in the room. Mr. James Collins, my former co-host, repelled off of 1801 Hollis a couple weeks ago, and things didn't exactly go as planned. Now, there are some rumors going around that his harness was fiddled with by somebody that looked like me. We're not so sure, but reality is he didn't repel. I would say, more like fell. Um, so, anyways, we're gonna push forward because this podcast means the world. And honestly, he was a bit of dead weight. Um, I think hey, we're gonna do a great hey, job. Oh, hey, oh, hey oh. Mister Cranston. Ah, uh, that uh,
1: sounds like a very pleasurable oh,
0: dream that you had, and not any way related I'm, to the truth. Uh, you know what? I was just I was just playing around. I I didn't realize you were gonna be on a computer screen today. I, I'm sorry. Uh, But James, welcome, James. Um, I actually, I I had someone, I I did bring someone in to replace you. It was pretty quick off the cuff. I I had to, you're, you're easily replaced. I mean, you're not easily replaceable. So I wanted to, you know, make sure it was somebody special. Why don't you, since you know, you've probably seen the show notes, tell us a bit about our special guest today who will be with us for the duration of the podcast, which is new.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's good to be back on Matter of Facts podcast again after that tragic incident, which didn't happen. But we are joined today by Mr. Bill McAvoy, managing broker, managing director of Cushman and Wakefield Atlantic. He is the daddy of what we do every day. He is the grand master of what we do every day. And we wanted to have him on the podcast and we're doing something a little bit different today because normally the guest comes on for 20-30 minutes in the middle but Bill is so much fun and
2: so knowledgeable that we're going to have him here for the whole ride. Welcome Bill. Thanks James, I really appreciate being here and uh, being with the cool kids. Us old folks don't always get the opportunity, you know now that I'm the OG. I spent a lot of my life as the young guy around older people. It's It's a little awkward to be now the old person around all the cool mm-hmm. kids but thanks for being here. Let's have a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so We're looking forward to it. And we've, we've got a slightly different setup today. So just to give some context, Bill and Alec are in the BNV Media studio with a beautiful view over the harbor. I am in my house in Bedford with a very primitive home setup. I am going to be stepping on a cruise ship in a couple of days and we have to take a COVID mm. test at the port. This is not a test to get into the US, but a test from the cruise line. And if you test positive, it is no cruise for you. So I'm playing it safe and leaving the pros to it in the studio while I kind of hunker down Biden-style in the basement.
0: Yeah, well, no, that's good, James. We're glad you're still able to join us. It's how far technology has come. We're able to still have you on here. I hope you enjoy your cruise. I'm definitely jealous about that. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna do all our segments today with the three of us. It should be a good time. Our first segment, which our few viewers we have so far, and more and more each each month know. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane.
2: Insane is the crane.
1: Insane is the crane. Kinda insane like the crane.
0: Insane is the crane. Insane We have a couple crane. topics we're gonna talk about today. James, did you wanna introduce the first topic?
1: Yes, absolutely. This one, I think everybody will have an opinion on. We are talking about the announcement of left-turn calming speed bumps that are going to be piloted at a number of key Halifax intersections. We're going to see these popping up. Give some example, um, Lacewood Drive and Parkland, uh, Cobberquid and Glendale, Joe Howe and Dutch Village Road, Main Street and Major Street. So this is going to be trialed as an attempt, I think, to not in just so many pedestrians and start teaching Halifax the benefits of really driving properly um what what do you think about this I think we should turn this over to Bill but before Bill gives us his answer Bill tell us a bit more about who you are we know actually I will preface this by saying Bill, Bill is so well known around Halifax I always say if if you want to sh- you know you're one handshake away from anyone with Bill and if you need to get in touch with anyone Bill should always be your first call but
2: um Give us a bit of a rundown, Bill, and then tell us what you think about this. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thanks, James. So born, raised, and schooled Haligonian, um, actually early formative years in the Hydrostone neighborhood when it was much more gritty as it is today. Um, After university, did a stint in New Brunswick and in eastern Quebec, uh, kind of a varied career through the mining industry, the shipping industry, some international trade and utilities, and kind of fell unintentionally into commercial real estate. Uh, about 20-plus years ago now. Uh, It's been a great run. I've been here at Cushman since uh, late 08. So this is year uh, 14, if my math is right. Um, And we're very, very blessed. We've got a regional team, talent across the board, all four provinces, always doing our best to infuse new youthful energy into the firm. Uh, Gentlemen like James and Alec, and a lot of wonderful ladies and, and young people across the region. So we provide real estate consulting services to owners and tenants uh, in our space. We're the longest-standing affiliate of the Cushman Wakefield brand in North America. So my predecessors uh, picked up the brand in 1996. Uh, We've got a great relationship with the firm and the best of both worlds, Uh, the big global brand to play with and lots of referrals. But really, we're a a locally-owned, community-oriented uh, fun-filled shop. Uh, Alec and James are a great example of that. Uh, we do a lot of cool things around the office, but really we exist to, uh, to help our communities. We're very active in, uh, in six urban markets and helping them grow and flourish, which will be what we talk about uh, a little later today. So, back exactly. to left-hand turns. Um, you know, kind of a conundrum. We're, uh, it'll be a theme as we go on today. We're a, we're a smallish city that's starting to encounter big city problems with the rapid growth we've been on. And one of them is the three-way intersection, pun intended, uh, vehicles, pedestrians, and cyclists. And the intersections, James, that you mentioned are, are notorious, uh, where the big three to 4,000-pound vehicle kind of has an embedded advantage. And it's just really a, a very thoughtful, um, frequently used in other markets, tactic- To bring that intersection back into balance, Um, ideally prevent the injuries, uh, get the pace of the turn down a little bit, keep folks on the regular course rather than corner cutting um, and and just really bringing a little bit more civility uh, back into these ever more busy intersections. So I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm a big fan of these progressive um, investments in infrastructure around the city and uh, I applaud the city for doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I encounter this problem daily where I live. I live right downtown, corner of, what would that be? Uh, well, I live on God- the end of Goddard Street, but I'm down by Brunswick, that little intersection by the Metro, not Metro Center, Scotiabank Center, sorry, and the Orso Pub there. It's a weird intersection, and there's a there's a left-turning green arrow, and then it flips to green right pretty quickly. And so, a lot of times, the guys who are going left through that green arrow just keep going left fast when it switches to just green, and that's when pedestrians can cross. I've almost gotten hit multiple times, but if there's a speed bump there, it gives them an extra chance to look and see. Oh shoot, I need to slow down. I like this idea. I think it's it's needed. It also gets uh, drivers not trying to shoot their way through a red and when they really shouldn't be, um, and it's in the end going to save pedestrians. Because I feel like I've seen way too many articles as of late where pedestrians downtown are being hit, whether it be uh, severely injured or, or a bump and, you know, a little bit of bruise, but in my opinion, it's all bad. So, um, oh, I agree with this. I, I I like the idea of this. I hope they, the, the pilot works and they put it in a few more locations. I'll adhere to it. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not bad for going to intersections, but, I you know, if I'm in a rush sometimes, I, I, I always look for the pedestrians, but you never know. But adding that extra speed bump just kind of brings you – brings down a bit so i agree james are you uh, what do you think are, are we two versus one here are you on our side no we're all on the same
1: team and for me the concept of vehicles and pedestrians sharing an intersection when i moved to canada 13 years ago now was very very new and i remember we'd moved to dartmouth and i was crossing outside portland street superstore i'd been in canada a few days and it's the first time i'd really encountered it and I almost jumped out the way when I saw this car getting creeping up to the to the um, the crossing. What happens in the UK where I grew up and in a lot of places in Europe is traffic and pedestrians are either on or off. So the traffic moves and the lights cycle through directions, but then at some point, every two or three minutes, they stop in all directions, and pedestrians cross. So when you're crossing as a pedestrian in the UK, whether it's multiway or a single way intersection, two way intersection, you are never, ever sharing the road with vehicles. And that's how I grew up. And then I came to Canada, where as you're crossing, vehicles are waiting to turn and sometimes kind of creeping up a little bit or the second you walk past their line of travel they're creeping behind you and burning through. And that, that, to me, is new. So I think this is going to help. Um, it's going to bring the injuries down. And Sue Utek, who we know and love, executive director of the Spring Garden Business Association, feels the same way. She, she an article in uh, Global News, is in favor of it. But she has said... As an association, we can live with the changes, but it's lack of communication from the city all the way along. The bus pilot project failed because of a lack of communication, and here we are having another implementation with no communication again. And we'll throw back to Bill for this. We, you know, We've all seen the Spring Garden Road bus trial come and go
2: very quickly. Do you have faith and hope that this pilot will go ahead as planned? Yeah, I do think so, James. I think, um, you know, end game for Spring Garden, it needs to be more pedestrian-centric. Uh, I think the streetscape really helped that with widening the sidewalks. We all remember the old days where everyone would flock to the sunny side of the street and you had people bumping amongst each other with the other side completely empty. So it's worked pretty well. The retailers you know, are, are in favor uh, of having more pedestrian-centric pieces. But yeah, James, I think to your point, it was just an implementation uh, issue. Um, It wasn't realistic to expect compliance to, you know, a a new program without really significant enforcement. And it's not really great use of of police resources to be steering traffic about. It doesn't make sense. So there are some things that will come in. You know, I do think over time it will make sense. But, you know, calming that street a little bit uh, makes good sense. But like all good things, it just needs a, a bit more on the planning side before the execution. Uh, but we'll get there. We've made some great changes on Spring Garden Road, um, and it's coming together quite nicely. Some great new uh, people-centric buildings. And uh, we'll get there. You know, uh, we, we, We've we learned as a city um, how to try, have a soft fail, and just come back at it again. And that's kind of a good modicum for life. Right? So we'll get there. That's nice. a
1: positive spin. Yeah. I like it. Okay. We've talked traffic calming. Anything else to add, Alec? Or do you want to talk about a cute
0: little boat? Let's talk about a cute little boat. I think we've said what we need to say about the speed bumps. I love the idea. Uh, I hope it works out. But cute little boat. Usually we don't do two subjects here, but uh, we we're able to save a little bit of time by having our guest on the entire time. Uh, Theodore tugboat is, there, is it Theodore two? I think there's because there was two of them. Anyways, they're turning it into an Airbnb. I saw this on Twitter, and uh, I actually saw it on TikTok too. And there was some divided opinions about it. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I don't know if they're doing it for very long. I think it's only for a short period of time. But, uh, I mean, last I heard, I thought Theodore was on his way to Hamilton, Ontario. Or is that the oh, other this is in
1: Hamilton. So this the is in Hamilton. Is, is in Hamilton, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. this isn't even Halifax. What are we talking about? What are we doing, with, what are we doing
1: this Well, point? I'll tell we you kidding? why it <laughs> relates to Halifax. When Theodore went to Hamilton, they agreed to not change the name of the home port. So technically... Theodore is temporarily residing, he's like a university student. He's temporarily residing and sowing his wild oats in Hamilton. Um, But they have launched this Airbnb listing. It was $22 the first night to coincide with Theodore 2's 22nd birthday. And it sold out in under a minute. And I think the first thing I thought of, and Alec and I had a discussion this morning, and I'll admit I hadn't heard of it till then. My wife came out on the deck and I went, shoot, why didn't we think of that? Now, she convinced me it would not, the longevity of this idea wouldn't wouldn't be there. Mm. Um, but I quite fancy a little floating Airbnb. What do you think, Alex? Bill, you want to team up? What do you think, Bill? Quite fancy.
2: I, I don't know. There's, uh, for the old music buffs uh, who are listening here, there's a 1973 song by the Hughes Corporation called Rock the Boat. And you know, I, I'm just thinking Theodore tugboat, Romantic Evening, like I, I just don't see it jiving. Like I don't I don't think a little teeny weeny tugboat is a place where people are going to comfortably have some rest.
0: I just don't see it. Was it twenty two dollars like a head like per person and they allowed a certain amount of people on at once? Is that how No, it works? this is
1: literally twenty-two dollars for the entire tugboat for one night. But it was a PR thing. You've got to you've got to look at the other layer when you peel the uh, peel the onion back on this one. That this is not a long term thing. Uh, they are going to be using it apparently for boat tours and education and water safety training among children. This is nothing but a PR stunt to tell people that the boat is there. $22 for one night for the entire thing, and there apparently are no real plans to make this. That must Anything
0: have sold out immediately, like for 22, that, 22 bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's. I could live
2: there. That'd be great. Yeah, but there's know. no there's no washroom on Theodore Tugboat. I don't believe there is. Any, the any washroom surrounds the, side, surrounds the boat. If, if you're male, it's a little, you that's know, true. there's a lot of females not comfortable with, you know, the aqua pee.
0: Yeah. It's not that aqua comfortable. Pee,
2: aqua dump, yeah.
0: No, I, I agree. It's a good point. I, it's a good PR stunt. Uh, you know, it's. I don't think Theodore ever envisioned this would be happening to him, and he'd have people, you know, cohabiting in there. But whatever, it was cool. Got my attention. Got the attention of Matter of Facts, one of the largest podcasts east of Montreal. So we saw it. And obviously we talked The
1: largest about podcast, isn't it? In in the downtown waterfront area in the for specific 90 radius. minutes every every month. But can you guys think of anything else in Airbnb? Uh, sorry, in Halifax that would make
2: the, a really cool Airbnb. I was oh, goodness, Citadel Hill. Citadel Hill would be cool. Get up in the yeah. uh, in the clock. Right up in the clock yeah. tower, or even down in, in one of the uh, old prison cells.
0: Oh, that'd be oh, that'd be cool. I was thinking I, mean, I was thinking boat wise, the uh, uh what's it called, the Acadia just down the way there is that what it's yep, called yeah I, uh, I didn't do too well with the, boats, yeah, boats last Acadia, e- whatever it is yeah i didn't do too well with boats last episode so i was had to do a little bit of research before i came in today uh that that'd be cool um i don't really know what else
2: oh you know what down uh, i'm not sure if it's still there the old uh, submarine there was an old submarine that used to hang around the lahave river by bridgewater oh really yeah there'd be a hangout
0: the submarine airbnb is it under? Was it like above ground, like, or is it sitting in the
2: water? Well, it it had been released from Fleet. I think it mm. would needed a bit of work, but uh, uh, you know, they you wouldn't have to weld it while there was people in it. So looks we have an opportunity here.
0: Oh, very good. Well,
1: well. If anyone can think of any ideas, uh, HalifaxPodcast at gmail.com. Very good. If we if we like it, we'll put it on the show, and if we like you, we'll give you credit for it. Perfect. Um, All right, Alan, yeah. uh, what have we got next? I hear something about Halifax has made a list of the happiest vacation destinations. Was it in North America or Canada?
0: Yeah. So it was the way it was described was the top ten U.S. Happiest vacation destinations in North America. So I think it's top 10 for U.S. citizens. I think that's the way I, I interpreted it. And Halifax was number seven on that list. Vancouver is number three. Um, but it was kind of cool that we we're number seven. Top 10 in North America for happiest vacation destinations. And I'm, you know what? I'm not one bit shocked by that. I get we might not have some of the amenities that these other large cities have. But, you know, we have a lot of character and, uh, you know, a lot going, a lot of history here in, in well, we'll talk about it uh, later on the podcast as well, uh, in tune with all the new development, but we still have that heritage, that history that we have that I think draws people here. So I'm not totally shocked that it's a, it's a happiest, top 10 happiest in North America for the United States.
2: Yeah. And there's an interesting observation and I, I've never wanted to generalize or stereotype, but over the years I've had conversations with cruise visitors that have been here and also in St. John, New Brunswick. And a lot of the cruise visitors that come here were on small regional boats, at least before the pandemic, hitting, coming out of a New York City, coming out of a Philadelphia and doing a little hop around, getting Sydney, Halifax, St. John, some combination thereof. And the conversations we'd usually end up having was they found it so refreshing that it was still urban, you know, lots of things to see, lots of places to stop, lots of places to shop. But the constant piece was that it wasn't crazy congested. The air quality was next level. And the one we always hear, which is true, the people's super friendly. Um, it, so I, I think there's been a lot of visitors that have come through that path. And I think we have the best of both worlds. You know, I think we have just enough infrastructure and, and urbanity, if that's a word. But it, it is the, the lovely temperate weather. So a lot of these visitors come from places where the humidity is a lot more oppressive. Um, and a lot of these cruise ships come in kind of our shoulder season. You know, coming in September here, September in Nova Scotia is, is second to none in the world. Beautiful days, you no know, slightly crisp evenings, no crazy humidity, no crazy wind or water. It's pretty cool. And I could see why those visits could be really, really memorable for folks.
0: Yeah, 100%. I got to say on an off topic, I'm mesmerized by Bill's shirt today. He's got a shirt on that's got dinosaurs, monster trucks, tractors. It's probably one of the cooler shirts I've seen. I gotta need to get the copy. of One of those. That's yeah. a pretty. That's some.
2: That's some swag you got wearing. I'm egg. just trying to stay <laughs> with you guys. That's all I can do. Is just set the bar with you guys and do our thing. Oh, perfect. Well, um, I think Bill, we're going to show your age. I'm kidding.
1: In in the the sec segment coming up after this, I and I will agree. I take the interesting perspective I've seen when we had our wedding in. Congratulations. So it's a thousand years ago now. Congrats. 20, we well, whenever I went 10 years ago, t- 2012, we got married.
0: The first and we one brought a lot one? of Brits over. The next one? The,
1: that the was my one. fifth wedding. The fifth wedding to my current wife.
0: Yes. Oh, okay. Was, Your current wife was
1: 10 years ago. <laughs> we brought a load of people over from the UK and I was very excited to see them being very excited being tourists because I'd been in Canada a good while by then and this was home and I still I always talk about I love being in a city how many cities do you have that are truly on the water like there's there's a couple of dozen of them in North America uh, if that and I was thrilled to see these people coming here and filling their days with all the things you'd expect. They were all on the harbour hopper. They were all eating on the waterfront. They were going to Citadel Hill, they were taking walking tours. It it was great to see. So we lose sight of that often when we live here. Mm. Um, But I can see the appeal of Halifax. Now I've been up in Sydney the last two days and two boats came in while I was in Sydney and back to Bill's point, they were smaller cruise ships. That's probably just the capacity that the port there and the city can take. And I can I can see Sydney being a good day for a cruise passenger, but I can definitely see Halifax being great and memorable to the point that I know of one Brit who came here on a cruise, got off the boat, went back on that night, turned to his wife and said, we're going to move here. And he's been here now a couple of years. So, yeah, this city shows off very well to people.
0: Very I think good. it was James. That's what I was gonna say. Was that you? I think It was me. Is that you? <laughs>
1: that was not me. Right on. No, that was not me. Although I'm sure I would have done the same thing. So okay, I think we chewed the fat on a good few things there for she "Insane as the Crane." Yeah. And let let's chat about our our main topic today. You want to take the lead on this one, Alec, or do you want me to run through my notes here?
0: Uh, I'd let uh, you you go for this one if you want to you want to get this one going for us. This is uh, this is our main topic. Then we'll we'll get to our other ones afterwards. But I think we should just dive right in okay let's go for it so we wanted to turn the attention over to bill
1: and bill has seen the city since when would you like to go back to bill the seven
2: the the 80s yeah you know we can let's let's maybe start with the late 70s there there's a couple of milestones that happen um but yeah you pepper me with questions i'm ready let them fly
1: yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to keep this fairly casual. We wanted to chat to a local guy who's very well integrated with the community on on how Halifax has changed and the evolution of the city, particularly for younger guys like Alec. I've only been here 10 years. Alec's only 12 years old, so we have not got as much experience in the city as, as Bill. Um, the first question we had is, you know, when you were 15, you probably had an idea of when you were going into your early adult years, of where the city was going to go, the problems you wanted to see change, the things you thought would be great to, to have um, come into Halifax. Looking back on that now, were your assumptions correct, and if not, how have they differed?
2: Yeah, and, and maybe I'll set it up a little bit with you know the history that I would have more so read and understood, uh, but kind of led us to that point. So. Um, I'll give my age away here, but we're talking mid-80s when I would have been 15. And you could still see the remnants of old Halifax around. So, you know, our our waterfront was, you know, a little sketchy, uh, for want of a word. We didn't have a boardwalk. Uh, We still had mostly working piers, um, right from where the Port Authority is up to where Purdy's Wharf is. Uh, We really weren't, uh, I'll call it, ocean-centric at that point. Um, And we were a little stale. Um, You know, our our food and beverage establishments were all kind of the same. Um, Our archaic uh, liquor laws were still kind of prevalent. You know, you couldn't get a a hard liquor drink uh, in a place where they had draft beer, which was very bizarre. Uh, But there weren't a lot of ethnic food options for us. It was still kind of a meat and potatoes town. Um, Our entertainment was pretty limited, uh, we were even less of a uh, of a concert venue than we are today. Um, so I think for somebody at you know mid teens, you know the aspiration was either to get to a place to set yourself up for life that had more to do and more things, um, or maybe your city would grow into that role. And and I think there's a series of events, and we'll I'll let you feel through the questions, and I'll kind of weave through the things that I thought about. But I think in in the mid '80s we were starting to come out of the fog that was the old identity of the city. You know, we were built around the military. We were built around a shipping port. Um, we haven't lost those things. We still have a highly productive, really important economic engine in the port. We're still the East Coast base for Canada's, or Canada's naval fleet. And we have great educational infrastructure. But I think we've uh, really spread our wings and got into a lot of things that are tangential to that. Um, that has helped us bring new people in with new thought processes that have given us a, a myriad of entertainment options, a really robust economy, and a new vibrancy, um, you know, around the downtown and around a whole series of secondary community neighborhoods that I hoped we would find. And I think we found them in spades, you know, over the last 35, 40 years.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, you, you mentioned it when you first introduced yourself about, you know, coming from the gritty, when you grew up in the gritty area and then how things have, have changed in that way and there are some areas that were once gritty that are now highly sought after areas. I mean you know, I, I talked to my old man about it and like what Lower Water Street used to be at one point in Agricola and, and I quote what he said about Agricola was back when he was a kid you wouldn't walk down Agricola with a bazooka and now you know, it's got new buildings going up, apartments are there, even when we work in, in commercial real estate, you, you got a retail client you're going around with and They always bring up, oh Agricola, like I want to check out Agricola, what's there, is there anything available? Well actually no there's not, because everyone's got it leased up, because it's such a popular spot to be right now, Um, all the food joints that are there, and I mean, I was born in 1997, so I don't think I truly saw the transformation, but for something like that, maybe we'll say specifically that area, when did that shift start to happen, where it turned into a, a spot where people wanted to be rather than something people would avoid?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of things, and it's a great point, and, and you can tell your dad, who I know a little bit, uh, he isn't cool enough to roll on a Grigola now. He's not he's not hippie enough. He's not hip enough <laughs> to be like, no, go back, get, go, get off of a But, you know, I, I think when you look at what the North Peninsula was for the longest time, before a Burnside Park, it was our light industrial zone. And you look at the things that existed around Gladstone Street, you know, Kempt Road would have had a variety of uses over the years. There, there was dumps back there. There was all kinds of different things. But, you know, one of our our longstanding North End establishments has been the Olens Brewery. And things that were around the brewery, you know, a lot of employment, a lot of people lived near where they worked. Uh, You know, the active dockyard and and the shipbuilding and the military. You know, really we were, like most cities, much more centered around the employment nodes. Uh, There weren't people doing, you know, the commutes from the bedroom communities. You know, that's something we kind of grew into over time, which allowed these neighborhoods to evolve. So, you know, when I was born in the Hydrostone, when I was young, the Hydrostone had, you know, kind of a a rough and tumble pizza place, an actual dry cleaner, you know, that you don't (laughs) find so much anymore, a hardware store that was locally owned. Um, You know, there's a lot of people now of my parents' vintage that, that laugh that, you know, when you see a Starbucks in the Hydrostone, you know, there's a full pivot. You know, people would have laughed at paying four or five bucks for a coffee. That would be ridiculous. Like yeah. who, who would do that? <laughs> and now the place is lined yeah. up out the door. And you know what's really happened is people now aspire to and espouse a really compact lifestyle again. And that's why peninsula real estate, be it residential or commercial, is so highly sought after, because we are we're a peninsula. We're we're Manhattan of Metro New York, and and that's the piece you have to keep bringing yourself back to when you think about it. There's five ways off. The peninsula and five ways on and they're the same five, so that's why we have to think really thoughtfully about our next level of evolution. Um, but that's how we we've had the changeover on the Agregolas, yeah. Um, and and streets streets turn. We'll talk about that in a sec.
0: Very good. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier that when we were talking about top ten cities, I said the heritage feel uh, of Halifax and you know Citadel Hill being a large large piece of that, and the clock tower and these buildings down here. But it's no secret we have tons of beautiful brand new development that's great for us. It's great for the people of Halifax, great for the economy and all that. But, you know, do you think it gets to a point where we're starting to lose a bit of that heritage feel and look because of all this new stuff surrounding us? Or do you think they're doing a good job of maintaining that perfect balance and also adding a bit of heritage uh, to the new developments, and just even in, in the colorings and the styles and the shapes, I, you know, you notice like even like I get Queen's Mark is brand new and it's beautiful, but it almost works out perfectly with the the boardwalk feel in downtown Halifax, just the way they've done it. Like it looks like it, it could have been there for a while, but it's also state of the art, beautiful. So I guess, Bill, do you think the city of Halifax is doing a good
2: job at maintaining that balance of the old and the new? I think you'd have a variety of perspectives across different demographics, you know, who live in the metro. Personally, I think that balance has been achieved. It takes a lot of work to maintain the balance and keep everyone's opinions in the mix. But when I look at some of the thoughtful designs that have come through, um, you know, our our old design mechanism, and, and not to throw stones at a property, but I'm going to, Scotia Square complex, you know, kind of built late 60s, early 70s. Um, it looks like Moscow's finest. And, you know, they stay well-occupied because they're well-amenitied and they're, they're brilliantly managed by Crombie Reed. But the last thing any of us want is a litany of those towers um, or even going north a block or two, ocean towers. You know, that, that's not really what gets people excited about moving to or living in a market. So, you know, all of the little bits that we've done over the years, you know, the Vic uh, down at Hollow Street, you know, the things that Nova Scotia Power and Amira have done uh, around the old substation. Queen's Mark is a great example. Uh, Founder Square is its predecessor. You know, you're walking at, uh, at sidewalk grade, and it looks like the 200-year-old building it is. And then you crane your neck up a little bit, you know, like, whoa, all glass towers sitting on top of it. So we've done that with Waterside Center. Um, we've done it in a lot of places. And I, I think it's part of the fabric and the character of being an old-school uh, marine uh, military-based town, you don't want to lose your soul, but you really have to develop product that appeals to a whole litany of of personalities and tastes. And I think we've done a good job. It, it takes a lot of work. We're going to have to keep working at it, but the, really the fundamental is choice, and and the more choice we can provide, the more we thrive. Nice.
1: The city's changing, and I think you're giving some really viable insight into that. Bill and some great context. Two two quick fire questions. Take all the time you need on these. What do we have in Halifax today that as a younger man you would never have expected? You know, you're shocked that we now have that and it's, and it's amazing. And if you could wave a magic wand, what one thing that's closed or left us or moved elsewhere would you bring back?
2: Um, in terms of what we have that shocks me, um, I'd say nothing. I don't think we're radical enough yet. Like we haven't brought in an aquarium, which I think we really should have. Uh, You know, we haven't brought in an open-air stadium other than the Wanderers Grounds, uh, with a little hat tip to my good friend Derek Martin. Great job in activating green space accessible by all for a product that fits the venue. So a great addition to what we've done in the city. Um, You know, I think, James, in, in what I miss that doesn't exist anymore... I could start listing all the bars from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> you know, we miss J.J. Rossi's, you know, we miss Peddler's Pub. Um, but I, I think generally we've done a pretty good job um, of keeping the good um, and letting the the less than good kind of live their life cycle. So I think the only thing I might miss is maybe Wheelies, the roller skating barn uh, north end of Windmill Road. For those of my vintage, it was the place around that age 15 world. <laughs> Um but yeah, I, I can't say, James, that I really yearn for anything. Um, you know, we will add more infrastructure when it's right. Um I can tell you the move of um the our professional hockey team from the forum to the then Metro Center uh in '79 was a game changer. Uh, you know, the forum is a wonderful old burn. Uh, but if we didn't have what's now Scotiabank Center, we would not have had fifty concerts. We would not have had the major junior hockey product that we have, which is really integral to who we are. We wouldn't have the professional lacrosse, uh, which I'm a huge fan of and a season ticket supporter. The Thunderbirds are a wonderful product and they're great in the community. Um, and I do think we will get another basketball product back here. You know, I, I salute all the entrepreneurs that, have, that went so far to you know resurrect that Hurricanes club which became, you know, the Rainmen that became the Hurricanes. And before that, you know, we had the wind jammers in the early 90s. So we are a basketball town and we'll figure that out. Um, but the infrastructure we have fits who we are. And, and we'll add more when the time is right. Uh, we're pretty thoughtful that way. So I, I guess those are my, my two thoughts, James. I hope that answers no, those No, that, that's well. useful. And it kind of it leads us
1: to the, ne- the next question for me. Where do we go from here? So we're seeing a lot of gentrification on the peninsula. Essentially, it is full. Certain people in this city believe with West Bedford growing as it is that the shift to the, may call it the new downtown, could be the Bedford area. What's your take on this, Bill? Because, as you know, in our industry and just out on the streets in general, we have different
2: perspectives from everyone. And I think we'd love to hear yours. Yeah, I'm going to go back in time to talk about the future. So kind of the two seminal moments, at least in my lifetime, for the development of the Halifax that we know and love... Our number one, the not doing the Cogswell Interchange and harbor Front Highway. So that was really, really key. It's taken us, you know, 50 years to undo it. But as we undo that, that is going to change the peninsula, uh, you know, exponentially. We, we can't even collectively fathom what that does for the fabric of the downtown. Reintroducing, you know, eight development parcels, bringing another several thousand people into the core, in, in a variety of housing types is, is really, really tremendous. The other one we don't talk about enough is the power of the amalgamation in 1996. So for someone of my vintage, I grew up in an era where the city of Halifax was effectively the peninsula and a few drippings through Fairview Clayton Park. And, and it was run in a certain way. In the Halifax County, which was everything around the outside, was a bit of the Wild West. And you know, some of the planning rules were a little bit different. Um, over in Dartmouth, very, very proud, but they were the city of Dartmouth with their own public works, their own council, their own mayor. Gloria McCluskey served well for a long, long time there as the mayor. And and then you had this other little piece, which was Bedford, the town of Bedford. And uh, I'm really going to make everyone giggle here. If you can picture when you've been to the US and you've seen state troopers with the flat Stetson hats. Well, that's what Bedford had. They had their own police force with powder blue police cars and Stetson-hatted constables. And it was, it was seriously worth going to Bedford to see this show. They were the best policed jurisdiction in Nova Scotia. But really when we merged and, and melted these four communities together, there was a lot of gnashing of teeth. There was a lot of anger. But it's what really catapulted the city to the next level of evolution. And, and if you look at our, our brethren around Atlanta, Canada, amalgamation there would have served those cities equally or better. And the reason that we have grown at the pace we have since 96 is because of amalgamation. It's about one single focus on economic development, one single po- focus on city planning. So Bedford is a really important mainland suburb and a really important fabric of the city. Will it replace the peninsula? Never. Um, it's really, if you want to use that New York analogy I've been using a lot lately, it's, it's the Connecticut of Metro New York. Um, lots of fun things happening there. Lots of employers, it fits their business well to put their office there. But really, you're never going to change Manhattan. And, and the peninsula is Manhattan. It will always be the more expensive real estate. You can live a very different life here, and you can live a, a car-free or car-light existence. And the investments that the city is now making in transportation reserve, um, more bus lanes, um, more bike lanes, th- those are the things that big boy cities do. And, and I'm happy to see those happen. So to your question, James... Bedford is really, really important. The peninsula is really, really important. And really what we call inside the ring or what the city calls center plan. So Dartmouth inside the circumferential, Halifax inside the 102, those are the growth nodes, And the the infrastructure going in place will allow them to behave like the peninsula, which is really the key to the vibrancy of the city over the next 50 to 100 years. We're always going to have people that want to live a life on the outside, and I'll take the difference in apartments. For about the same price, you can get an apartment, um, you know, on Hollis or Water or the like with no parking spots, and your unit's under 1,000 feet. And that's the life you want to live. You have unbelievable walkable amenities. You can go to Larry Utech um, either in um, on the inside of the 102 or the outside, and you can get a 1,500, 1,600-square-foot apartment with two or three Heated underground parking spots. And that may be the life that you've chosen to live. But back to that theme of choice, the more choice we provide, the more vibrant a city. And, and I think the peninsula is always going to be sought after by a large portion of people. We, we just can't try to make the peninsula what it isn't. Because to your point, James, right now land is a, is a commodity we can't replace. And, and there's only so much of it. Let economics sort itself out. But uh, it's really important that we have a really vibrant core. Uh, you know, the the tentacles of Metro will always be great, but the core is the heartbeat.
0: I have, a, I have another that's one great. I want to ask there, kind of related to where you mentioned the big boy cities. Uh, do you think with all that's going on here, with the new developments coming in and the, the population growth, the immigration, you know, like James said, someone from, uh, you know, overseas hops off a cruise ship decides within an hour they want to move to here and you know that happened a lot during COVID people coming east do you think that we are on track to be, sort of become one of those big boy cities I mean we're, we're being in conversations with cities like Vancouver and Montreal when it comes to you know top 10 happiest places to vacation in North America for the states and you know I think all the development that's happening definitely can keep up with um, with the population growth and people coming here and whatnot but do you think we're we're ready to make that that jump? We're on the way. Do we want that to happen, or do we want to kind of still be our own little thing?
2: Yeah, and you get a variety of opinions on that, Alec. It's a great question. Um, there certainly would be constituencies uh, of longtime Haligonians that don't want to see the development, the growth. And that's okay. It's human nature. We get it everywhere on the planet. Um, some people love change. Somebody, some people hate it. But I think there's unquestionably, you know, in my role, I have the advantage of seeing the whole region. There is a maritime re- renaissance underway. You know, it, Newfoundland has a little bit of a different economy around commodities, and, and being an island, it functions a bit different. But with the Confederation Bridge link of PEI, you know, there's five urban centers that people can pick and choose from um, of critical mass, and there's different price points, there's different economic opportunities, uh, there's different lifestyle choices. You know, ourselves in Charlottetown are, are really the two on the ocean, as, as well as St. John, which is on the Bay of Fundy. You know, Moncton and Fredericton, you have different dynamics. But I think we are on that path. You know, we have always been, depending on how you do the count, you know, the number six through number nine uh, metro in Canada, um, you know, behind the big four, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. You know, and they're they're well into the million people strata. Um, Now we're in that conversation with with the Ottawa's and the Quebec cities and the London's and the Kitchener-Waterloo's. And those are all really, really great mid-sized cities. Uh, There's no question we're in that club now. Um, And our trajectory might even be a little stronger than theirs uh, because we appeal to lots of different folks. You know, we appeal to seniors. We appeal to new Canadians. Um, You know, the, the variety and the cosmopolitan nature of our city now uh, makes it really, really appealing. And we haven't talked much about it, but our economy with ocean tech, with life sciences, um, with straight-up technology, um, lots and lots of opportunities, most of them linked to our amazing university system. Yeah. So there's, there, we're really well flanked. And, you know, we tend not to get really beat up when there's global crises. Um, we don't go way up and we don't go way down because yeah. we're balanced. We have a good anchor with a lot of government employment, the military... Uh, as well as you know all the things that go on around Navy and, and shipbuilding, so we're white collar and blue collar. Yep. So we are well well jettisoned. Like we're we're going to do really well in the next fifty. You know that that's kind of where we are. Are we going to two million? Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Um, but our pace is the right pace. But we have to be careful to make sure that we're thoughtful about the growth. Yeah. Um, the good good planning rules. Um, and being welcoming to new folks. You know, we we have to do a better job around the intersection of various cultures. You yep. know, we, we don't have a great history on that. If, yep. if you go back to the things we did earlier in the 1900s, we're not, we're not proud of those. So we're getting better. We have to keep getting better. But yeah, I think the sky's the limit here.
0: Yeah. The place to be, eh, James? I the agree. That was be. really great,
1: Bill. Thank you so much. We would love you to stay for the rest of the podcast. We've got plenty plenty more of your brain to pick um, we're gonna move now into Alex's favorite you better get your voice ready to sing it is new kids on the block
2: step step,
1: Alex you you have a connection to the new kid of this month tell us about it
0: I do uh, good friend of the podcast good friend of Cushman and Wakefield Flora James shop will be opening up at two zero one one. Brunswick Street, the former location of Inkwell, a uh, modern boutique, uh, so she's actually opening up, her name is Bria, she's opening up uh, this Sunday, September 4th, I believe 11am, uh, it's a really cool little shop that's going there, it's like a mom and baby style shop, but more so geared towards, you can come and shop, you know, you can, you can hang out, you can have a coffee, you can, there's a play area for the kids. You can do crafts. The moms can hang out. You don't even have to buy anything. You can just come in and chill if you're going for a walk downtown. So they'll sell products like, like skincare, pottery, and sustainable children's toys. Uh, lots of really cool stuff. And uh, everything's going to be eco-friendly. Uh, she'll be bringing in different vendors to sell their clothing, vintage clothing, and uh, baby clothing and stuff like that. They're also going to be hosting some really cool creative workshops where she's going to bring in local creators to kind of host these shops. And, you know, you might pay by a ticket or by donation. It'll go to a charity uh, or, like a so, or a social uh cause, an environmental cause, or an animal rights cause. Uh, so it, it's pretty cool. It's a cool little shop. It, it, it's a nice replacement to what was once there. It's a nice addition to Brunswick Street. And it kind of provides this new cool space. I think that uh, Halifax doesn't have for the mom and the baby to go to go and hang out and to chill. And you know, she's not about you know you need to come here and buy this and buy that. She's very welcome to all ages, all genders to come in and uh, you know have a coffee, have an espresso, play with the toys in the toy area. The moms can hang out. Like I think it's it's cool. It's cool. She's it's a brand new business. She she uh, it's been a dream of hers for a long time now. Uh, we were we were helping her find the space, and it took a while. We we checked out a few spots, but in the end, this is where she landed, and she couldn't be happier, and, yeah, opening up, coming soon. So uh, I'll be checking that out for sure. That's my new kids on the block. Well,
1: it sounds very valuable. I like the charitable aspect. Admittedly, Alec and I, as as childless individuals should probably ask Bill. Now, Bill's children are, are a little older, but you think this is a valuable thing for the city? I'm sure you do.
2: 100%. I think the more local options that we have for, for new parents or experienced parents, always a good thing. Um, to me, no disrespect to our friends in the big box retail business, I would way much prefer to stay downtown uh, support someone local, build a bit of a relationship, get access to new products, um, and not have to drive my car all over the moon and try and find a spot in a big, windy parking lot field. So, yep. yes, uh, as a, I guess, existing and recovering parent, uh, I think this is a great thing.
0: No, it, it, it's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited to go check it out. I'll be there. I know Jenna and I will be buying buying some stuff for, for the niece there. Shout out Maddie
2: B. But... We'll be there. What? That was quick. I didn't know where you were going with that. Oh, the news. Yeah, I, mean, came I thought late. Alec was gonna late.
1: make a big Ooh, a big, big announcement. Big announcement that nine on nine, nine episodes from now, Alec will not be here.
0: <laughs> I was very excited. James. Oh geez, I didn't realize I saw Bill kind of creep up like that and James's what? eyes kind of got big there. Oh, that'd be that'd be what? something for me to announce that on this podcast, eh? Wow. You never know. You never know on the podcast. But, yeah, so we'll be I checking. I was just excited because I figured you gave me all your real estate deals to run. Oh, yeah, you can take care of all them. You can take uh, 75% of the fee and he'll, you can be the godfather.
2: Yeah, he'll cover your paternity leave.
0: Hey, perfect. There we go. I know James would, would cover me for something like that. Um, but, yeah, no, great new kids in the block. Wanted to give her a shout-out. She's been working hard for a long time to make this happen. It's been a dream of hers. Flora James Shop, opening at 2011 Brunswick Street, this Sunday the 4th. Check it out. Boom. Good luck. Yeah, very good Good luck. This brings us to the last segment and the
1: one we probably have the most fun with on Matter of Facts, and we're thrilled that Bill can join us and we want everyone's dirty opinions on what's coming up. It's Dylan Curry's favorite. It is the Reddit Roundup.
0: Reddit Roundup. Reddit Roundup. Losing their minds over minor inconveniences. I'm assuming that play is playing right now. You just heard the Haligonians. James actually picked this one out uh, late at night. He sent me a message around 11.30 p.m., I think it was, with this option. So tell everybody what it was.
1: I had just returned
0: from Sydney,
1: and okay. this one I have some very strong opinions on. So this was a Reddit post that was long, It was in the middle of this month, so, or last month by the time you're hearing this, the middle of August. It was one of the most popular of the month. The user has since deleted their account, so we can't give them a shout out, but it simply says, if you take transit and wear heavy perfume or cologne, you're a dick for forcing people with allergies to be in a confined space with your stench. And what exploded was just a bomb of opinions. This was a catalyst for hundreds of people running to Reddit. Mainly getting off topic as Reddit does, we'll go through some I suppose to kickstart the conversation between us, us gentlemen today. the The most popular comment was from Gremlin nineteen sixty nine. It was the nice. predictable one. He said, "Or at the opposite end of the spectrum, Bo." Then some opposing points, some people disagreeing. Lots of people agreeing. Um, Canadian Goose rage said people should just shower instead of covering up their stink with more stink. There was some slightly more classy opinions. Um, another one, in general, people don't know how to apply cologne. Cologne should be discovered. Not announced. When applied properly, the wearer should not smell it themselves beyond the initial spritz. But the problem is, people think that if they can't smell it, then it's not enough. So we'll throw to our guest, Bill. Um, what is your opinion on the no sense makes good sense ethos and the near obsession locally with telling people to not wear cologne? Uh,
2: I guess, chance for me, that the answer lies in the duration of the transit trip. Uh, just about anything is tolerable for a short uh, journey. You know, if the journey, if I'm on the, uh, one of the 80 series expresses out to Tantalon or Sackful, yeah, I might take issue with it. But I I think generally I kind of live by a, by a credo of of being tolerant and in whatever's going on. And, and whether it's kind of a foul odor that has kind of crept up on someone or, or a little bit of store-bought product, um, I I think folks just need to figure it out. Um, You know, move yourself a little bit on the bus if you can, um, you know, suck it up, plug your nose. Uh, you know, think of something else. Um, I I think it's not really a hill to die on for anyone. So, um, I get the no sense thing, and I do get that there's allergies, and I think we need to be respectful of that where we can. But it's just personal preference, and, and having an issue with a certain brand, I, I think just get over yourself and 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 suck it up.
0: Yeah, I, I got to say I'm in a similar I'm in a similar Theodore Tugboat as Bill here. Um, I don't agree with no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Ag- just twenty two bucks a night. Hey, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, I don't agree with that. You know, no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, within reason, right? Like, you know, I, you don't need to be dousing yourself in half a bottle before you leave the house and go about your day. And like Bill said, you know, if you if you find yourself close to somebody, whether it's on the spectrum of the bo or the cologne. Uh, you know, you can remove yourself and move away and you don't kind of make a big thing about it. Um, because the way I look at it and I, you know, I, I, you know, every day, like I calculated with, you know, what I, what I wear and, you know, the hair and stuff like that. And I think cologne or perfume is kind of part of your style slash your look or the feel you have part of your day. It's it's not like you're trying to be obnoxious and wear all this cologne or have this very strong smell to assert any sort of, you know, dominance or whatever. It's just, it's part of the look, part of the feel. Like if you, you're dressed up in a suit and you want to do a spray on the wrist and rub your rub your neck, I mean, that's, that's what I do. And I don't think that's too crazy. And that's, you know, I think that's reasonable too. I don't, it doesn't, just enough of a scent that, you know, somebody close enough to you and you know, they shake your hand and, you know, they can kind of, it's just an aroma that you kind of give off. And I can't stop looking at Dylan while I do this. He's laughing at me. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like a little dab will do you. Like I don't, you don't got to do nothing crazy. Don't got to douse yourself. And because, uh, you know, cologne isn't cheap. Um, but I, I'm, I don't think it, we should be no sense whatsoever. I think it's, you know, within reason. It's part of your style. And that's what how it should work. There was a comment here. I saved one comment. Uh, it said, welcome to Halifax. Where wearing cologne makes you, uh, I'm going to change the word, Makes you a bad person, but you better be all right with someone's chocolate lab shitting on your foot while you're eating on a patio. <laughs> 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 I liked, I, I thought that I got a big kick out of that one. I I, exp, I didn't experience the, you know, the defecation recently, but I was at a patio and there was like three dogs sitting on my foot. One's running around doing circles. And then one, at one point, one dog jumped up um, on another dog and kind of knocked over somebody else. that was sitting at their chair. So I'm just like, I get allowing your dogs, but um, keep them keep them chill. But yeah, I just thought that was a funny comment. That's the only comment I saved. I mainly just wanted to give my opinion on that, um, that uh, I don't agree with no sense whatsoever, but keep it within reason. Little dab will do you.
1: Yeah, it's subtlety, right? Subtlety's the key. And I I give a lot of... I spend a lot of time on this podcast reminding people I'm not from here, and I like to think it brings a different perspective. But I've enjoyed watching friends and family come and stay with my wife and I from the UK. And I always... One of my things I do, even though we live in Bedford, is drive them to Alderney Landing and say, we're going to go to Halifax on the ferry because that's how you need to experience it. We want you to go home and say, we went on this ferry and it was really cool. And uh, I've had people laugh when... I'm not sure if it's there anymore these to be signs that said if you're wearing a scent we suggest that you take another form of transportation mm. and I've seen an elevator that says if you're wearing cologne we would recommend that you use the stairs and where i grew up this is you know i go back to the uk pretty frequently this is just not a thing i think it's somewhat unique to where we are that there is this obsession and you see it you know in government buildings as well um with the no sense makes makes good sense culture and i would love someone to be doused in cologne rather than smelling of of body odor at mm. the same time i at the gym particularly i don't like it when people mask the fact they haven't washed by soaking themselves in three dollar Axe cologne, mm. it, it's kind of both both ends of the scale. But let's blow this open to a, a slightly wider, and we'll throw it to Bill. Um, you know about, about this culture of no sense. I'll I'll make one quick digression first. We know someone I won't name them who had somebody in their office who'd never shown any signs of allergies before, and they came in with the no the no sense policy. Our friend went in wearing cologne one day. And this lady stood up, pushed her chair in and said, I am allergic to that and I can no longer work and took the rest of the day off paid. So, Bill, what do you think about the wider culture of no sense?
2: Uh, I don't know. I'm still stuck with uh, Alec and the dog poo on the shoe. (laughs) So it's uh, it's pretty good, which kind of leads to another really interesting tangent if we want to go there, which is around flatulence. Like Mm. there's an odor that we can't necessarily control can we ban flatulence like how's that that's all? That's a good work?
0: point I think about that
2: right but but I do think um, James back to your question about you know no sense as a policy related to employment um, you know I think if there is a bona fide health issue in an enclosed workspace um, I would be absolutely of a mind if as an employer if we had a situation uh, with an employee we would want that honored and respected you know and I think that's an important piece but it needs to be broadcast and known um, and give people a chance to know, um, i.e., you know, the gentleman that came into the office with cologne on um, probably should have been forewarned and, and requested that on that given day he, you know, stand down on the uh, on, on the smell shower, like just do it a little yeah. different. But, you know, I do think it, it's back to what we talked about. It's, it's moderation and, re- and reasonableness and respect. You know, I, I think there are people with bona fide allergies that should be respected and taken care of. Um, but generally, we can't expect people to, you know, respect those if we haven't disclosed to them up front. You know, I, I think it's too much to presume that every workspace has an employee or an occupant that has an issue. Um, because to Alex's point, it's, it's about choice and style. And, uh, you know, the vast majority of the planet does not have prohibitive rules around fragrance, be they good, bad, or indifferent.
0: Yeah. There was a few comments actually oh, on the Reddit roundup about flatulence as well. So it's funny he brought that up. There was a few comments, but like the thing with that one is that it dissipates. At, well, you'd hope it dissipates after about 30 seconds or so. Dissipates?
2: Is that the word? No, I think
0: it's dissipate. D- d- dissipates. What's dissipate mean? Nothing. It doesn't mean, <laughs> any, it doesn't
1: mean anything, Alec. Like that definitely was not the blue nose.
0: Oh, man. Every episode there's something I say that or do that just isn't a real thing. Dissipitate, that means something. I guarantee it does. New segment, James. New segment. I think you made that up. Things
1: Cranston Uh, Yeah, the uh, Cranstonisms.
0: Yes. Oh, dissipate. Shit. Yeah.
1: I'm going to jump in here because um, an engineer extraordinaire, Mark, has a clip for us. And normally we play something from The Office, but we're going to stick with uh, the Steve Corral theme this month, even though he's not in this particular scene. But there is one... Cologne and one scent that I think we need more of. Take it away, Mark.
2: It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. Yep. Yeah, it's made with bits of real panther.
0: So you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Pungent. Ooh, it's a formidable
1: scent. It stings the nostrils in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, I'm gonna be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> They've done studies, you know. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. What was that? What was that called? Sex
1: Panther. Sex Panther. Sex yeah. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Wow. That movie gets better with age. Although Anchor Man Two was a uh, letdown.
0: Yeah, definitely wasn't what uh, what the first had to offer. But it's still good. I'm a big fan of Will Ferrell. So, and I love how he he still dresses up as. Anchor man from time to time in real life scenarios and does interviews. It's pretty funny. Um, I, I bet he smells great. He probably does. He probably does. He's probably a very probably a very nice you know scent to bring off that man. Um, but yeah, so I guess. Well, I hope Reddit keeps being yeah. crazy
1: because we get a lot of mileage out of Reddit, don't we?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, there's lots of. Options on there. I mean, there was more than just this that we could have talked about, but we got to pick one. I, that was definitely some review we heard from the first episode because we had two topics, and some people, uh, my girlfriend included, said that was too long in the tooth. I stopped listening.
2: So well, it's because she's pregnant and was oh yeah, she's like, getting <laughs> tired. Of it. Oh. Right there's the,
0: there's the announcement. I actually had Bill make the announcement for everybody. So that her family, everyone will listen to this for the first time. Um, yeah, no. You just
1: need a crazy gender reveal party. I I know that you would take the standard and just blow it out of the water with something crazy. Well,
0: use Theodore Tugboat. Some, use some Theodore Tugboat. Some fancy no, way. I think Doused should. Should. Doused in Cologne. Doused in Cologne. We're we'll yeah. bringing it all together. And then uh, they can sell baby clothes on there. It's perfect. It all And comes- we should draw
1: and we should take it on a left turn through the city.
0: Yes. Yeah. And go on a Griggler Street. Wow. What's your dad? There we go. <laughs> With a bazooka. <laughs> no, this is all. Your dad is, uh,
1: your dad is the harbor mess. It's all coming together.
0: Um, uh, oh, quick shout out. Gus the tortoise turned 100 years old. I saw that. Yeah. Quick shout out. Had to get that in there. Almost forgot. Gus the tortoise, 100 years old. That man's 100 still years going, old. 100. So An old
1: tortoise would would make a wonderful politician. <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to say he would make an excellent paperweight. But no, he's, uh, he's 100 years old. No, Congratulations. That's in two years. Oh, two years. Well, we're going to see if that comes true two years from now. But yeah, quick shout out Gus, 100 years old. Congratulations, man. Yeah, do you have anything else to add for Reddit or is that it for our little Reddit roundup? That that's it. I think what the request people, is as
1: always you? keep being unreasonable, crazy and, and opinionated mm. and we will we will be back next month. And we're incredibly grateful, Bill, and we thank you for your time for joining us. We want to give you a chance here at the end of the podcast to to plug anything you want to plug. I know you are heavily passionate and entrenched in the youth sports scene in Halifax. Is there anything going on that needs the public's support or you'd you'd like to mention? Now's your time. Wow, right on
2: the spot. (laughs) Um, So first of all, let me thank you guys. This has been an amazing opportunity for me to do my podcast debut. Um, I'm a big consumer of podcasts, so being able to be on the other side of uh, of the experience is amazing. Production team here, you guys are outstanding. You've fixed my microphone that's been in the wrong place like seven (laughs) times, very discreetly. Um, James, to your point, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge evangelist for physical literacy for youth. Um, I've been coaching sports pretty much since I kind of stopped playing them in my early twenties. Um, you know, and I'm very proud of uh, of Alec and the work that he does in the minor hockey scene as well. So um I Thank think you. probably two things if I could hit on that theme. Number one, all the great product, and I talked about the Wanderers Grounds and the Wanderers. Um, folks should keep an eye to to that pitch and that field and what's happening. Uh, There was an amazing uh, rugby match there on the weekend uh, that had a decent crowd, but I I think it was under-publicized through no fault of the organization. But, you know, you want really great, inexpensive uh, entertainment in the sports field. There's a lot of great stuff happening. Um, September's a great turnover, so the summer sports kind of come to an end. I know my young fella is in baseball provincials this weekend. Uh, but then we get into hockey tryouts. I drove by Citadel High this morning. Girls soccer tryouts were underway. Lots of football and tryouts. So um, tryouts are a wonderful process. They can be painful at times, but they're really a, a, an indicator, an example of what life is like. Um, and you have to work really hard for a goal. So, you know, I guess the other call that I'd have here is to, to all the parents and all the, all the association executives over the next you know, 30, 45 days when you're doing the, the team selection and, and managing, you know, the hopes and dreams of all the young athletes, male and female in all the sports, basketball and hockey and, and ringette and all the things we do in the winter, um, you know, be mindful. Uh, the objective for all of us is to keep the physical literacy up, have them playing well into their 20s and 30s, love the sport, stay active. Um, part of that comes from the peers and the adults in the room keeping a positive environment and keeping everybody coming back so that that'd be my ask that's my plug today um go youth sports
0: yeah that's a good plug i'm a big fan of the youth sports myself coaching coaching hockey has been one of the greatest joys i've had so far and i'm i i do not see myself stopping that anytime soon and i love talking about it so it's good that we're all involved james I'd have to get you involved with some some youth sports at some point here rugby maybe that be is that your thing rugby Oh, big rugby fan! Big rugby, rugby, rugby fan. fan! Massive rugby. I'm more into
1: the. I'm more into the watching and playing. But the big announcement that I have oh. is that I I am I'm getting back into playing golf after a 10 year oh, hiatus.
2: Wow. What? Wow, man! Live tour? You joining the live tour? Wow! So joining the live tour
1: exactly, and all, all the controversy there. But I, I so I the story with me in golf is. When I met my wife, they're a big golfing family, her side. She's like, you, you better at least say you play golf. They'll they'll start respecting you quicker. And they're a military family, so respect is earned. She's like, you'll, you'll just climb that ladder so much quicker. So I took a couple of golf lessons, never swung a club in my life, and played a lot of golf within the family. But I was always just really, really bad at it. Absolutely awful. So I got to the point where I got frustrated. I had a busy business at the time. My head was everywhere. I was not in the best place. So golf was not fun so i literally like put the clubs down f those things i turned down so many golfing invites this summer within the industry and we all know that our industry is kind of fueled by by golf so i realized i've got to i've got to get back so you will you will see me on the links with you guys next year
2: good that's great
1: i like to hear that
2: james on the rugby side have you been to the new rugby club host at graves oakley field in spryfield
1: I have not, but I'd imagine the atmosphere there is electric.
2: It is. You really should uh, make a trip out there for anybody who's a rugby aficionado. Uh, tip of the cap to all of our levels of government, uh, plus some really passionate organizers. John Gillis was involved and, and several others. It's, it's quite a piece of infrastructure, um, and it serves the sporting community really, really well. So uh, as a rugby uh, fan, get, get yourself out there, James, and immerse yourselves in, in the rug
1: yeah and my youth was lived out in local rugby clubs even if there was no no sport to be watched it was just in Wales as the national sport the kind of the hub of every town was the local rugby club and most of the facilities had not been renovated since the 60s and and the bathrooms looked like they they existed on the Titanic but it was just that powerhouse of of where we grew up and the center of the social scene so I will I will take a run up excellent good to hear very good James. All right, guys, that is matter of fact for another month. We will be back in October, right, Alec?
0: Yes, we'll be back in October. That'll be when the next one drops. Um, we'll get somebody special lined up for that one. We got a few a few good ones in the works. We're not going to disclose who they are because we want it to be more of a surprise, I think, from now on. And it's been a surprise so far. But, yeah, so we got some good ones lined up. Uh, hopefully James will be back from his cruise feeling good and can come in person this time. I will be there, and
1: w- to, to Alex's point, we have some whoppers lined up.
0: We have some whoppers. Definitely have some whoppers lined and
1: up. And we will be bringing the whopper of Bill McAvoy back too. We'd like oh, yeah. to make this a, a regular thing every couple of months. I think yeah. it's been a very, a very productive discussion, yeah. and the fact that you know we interview a lot of people we don't know, and that's great, and we love it, and we're, we're so grateful. But it is nice to bring friends around the table. It's just a different level of, of discussion. So let's do this again.
2: In yeah, the, uh, 100%. The future. Yeah, matter of fact, Amazing. has not heard the last of Bill. I got a second date, everyone. I got a second date. Uh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> so to everyone listening, make sure you subscribe, spread the word, pass it out to your friends. We'll see if we can get the uh, subscriptions up from, what are we, like nine? Maybe we'll get to 11? <laughs> well, actually, I think we had over a couple hundred downloads on our,
0: 250 downloads, something like that, on our first episode. And then we're, we're in the hundreds for the remaining ones. So we're getting there. I don't know how many subscribers we have, but you can see how many downloads we have. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going good. Traction's building. We're starting to have people reach out to us and kind of want to come on and tell their story or talk about a certain topic. So um, lots more great content coming your way for those that listen. Uh, for James's brother in Norway and my uncle in Ottawa are two biggest fans. I hope they continue to listen as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks to everyone. Bill, thanks for coming on. Alec, good to see you. To I see will you. Uh, see you guys around when I'm back. It was Great staring at my computer screen, seeing you two handsome (laughs) chaps on the other end today.
0: You got the view of the water the whole time, too. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, guys. Thank you as well for listening, and we will see you in a month. Safe travels, James. Enjoy your
0: trip. Take care.